This is Megan Ball. And this is Brock Wilbur. And you're listening to Carrying Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try to find the silver lining or flip it into something that, while possibly not positive, will at least be productive. How are you, Brock? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm going to do the thing that we might be doing for a little while here so it doesn't catch anybody off guard. Uh, You will notice that Megan uh, is famously not Jordan. Uh, and Jordan is my co-host on the show. Uh, here is the update. Uh, Jordan uh, has a book that is being published, and we're all so goddamn excited about it, except for Jordan, who has deadlines. Uh, and rather than be one of the billion things on his plate during this time, uh, we are having Megan sub in here for a bit. Megan was on the show five months ago. Uh, even in the episode, we were joking about, like, you should be the third guest because she's such a good fit. So when Jordan was like, I'd like to hand this off for a little bit. We didn't even have to talk about it. We were just like, okay, it's Megan. Uh, so <laughs> Megan is a, a writer, uh, a professional adult goth, uh, a wonderful person to follow on tw- Twitter, uh, and uh, and somebody that I have just finished editing a charity book project with. So uh, she is hopping in here for a bit, and Jordan will be back. Jordan has not left permanently. Jordan is very happy about all of this and is mostly happy, I think, because this means that we finally get to do this show with some sense of, uh, hey, you can expect to hear this on Wednesdays uh, because we uh, we intended to do that when we got the show restarted in 2020, uh, and we did not do that because 2020, and no no guilt there. That's how things go. So in 2021, we want to be a good thing that's always there for you uh, and support our wonderful listeners uh, who have been so wildly supportive of us and also who <laughs> never have been a dick about being like, hey, why hasn't there been one in a month? Because I think you understand that we are uh incredibly fragile emotional creative types and sometimes it just falls apart so yeah rather than having uh jordan take his feelings and and uh crush uh that coal into a diamond inside of his heart uh worrying about like getting this done uh between now and the, and the end of uh the book publishing um we're we're, we're doing megan and it's great uh the first episode with her uh, was last week wonderful wonderful episode uh and i got to talk about a murderous christmas cat uh, no one no one could want more from this uh so jordan will be back uh but this is going extremely well uh and uh, i i appreciate you guys listening uh we we are doing this for you and i hope everyone uh is is having a good time with this megan what have you done this week uh not much to be honest it's cold outside and i can't go inside so i've been staying at home doing a lot of my weird cross stitches that you enjoy so much and you know just chilling inside and being safe and you know trying to not turn into the guy from the shining you know as you do i i feel like this year we've had to lower the bar on the general um level one questions between people like already how are you doing like <laughs> lost all meaning like back in march and like you I've started like doing things where like when people ask, I'm like, oh, I'm bad. And they're like, oh, is that bad? It's like, oh, no. Two weeks ago, I was terrible or suicidal. Yeah. Like to, bad is the new good. Bad is the new good. That's that's the theme here. It's, it's uh, so, really true. Yeah. And so the one that's coming now is like, what have you done this week? And it's like, okay, so we couldn't really do do, do things before. Uh, but now there's also snow everywhere. 
uh, including like the blizzard that you're a part of. Uh, so like it's there, there truly is nothing like uh, either it's some sort of online Zoom thing or it is being alone with your thoughts. And uh, oh, no, I don't want to do that. No, please. No, <laughs> <laughs> please. Anything but that. I no my no, thank you. I, I appreciate the offer that my thoughts have given me, but I would like to abstain from hearing them. Thank you. What I have been enjoying is that I've been home for long enough. Like at, at the start of this, I have three cats and now we have a dog and the cats just lost their mind that suddenly me and mom were always home um, because uh, he, he, I was reading about it online. Like cats brain chemistry was not prepared for this. Cats all over the world were suddenly like everyone's brain chemistry was not prepared for this. Like, but cats too, like they were prepared to like, they enjoy their, their alone time. And suddenly there's just always a person there and they were like, the fuck is this? So my cats and the dog, mostly the cats, they've, they've gotten used to it, but they have established what, what I refer to as, as the patrol, which is that uh, all three of them have sort of a rotation through the house now. And I can mark my clock by it daily. So like Woodward starts from like 10 to noon every day, on the bed in the guest room in the exact same spot. And around 1230 or one, Kimball will come in and sort of grapple with him for a minute. And then he moves on to a spot downstairs and Kimball moves into the same spot on the bed. And then like two hours later, Bernstein comes in and boots Kimball, but Kimball like goes to the other bedroom and then Bernstein like uh, burrows into this hole that he's dug in the underside of my mattress so that he can live in the mattress. But anyway, like room by room, there's a rotation of them and small battles uh, with each transition. So I, I've just, I, I found it exceptionally funny this week to suddenly be like, I have memorized it by accident. Now I know where everyone is at every time. And if somebody's not there, I actually panic a little bit and go looking under couches to make sure nothing's happened as if somebody could get out. I don't understand. I, I can panic about absolutely anything. So that was my week. Megan, do you have a carrying into the void for us? I do. It's a good one, I promise. I have a tale for you about the Appalachian knot deer. Okay. Yeah, a knot, N-O-T, not like a knot in a tree, like not as in they are not deer. It's a weird phenomenon that started being talked about on social media a few years ago. And it's a, it's a thing where a lot of people who live in uh, Appalachia near the Blue Ridge Mountains would start to see these type of deer on the side of the road, which, you know, as you do in place like, you know, those type of mountains and that kind of like countryside. But they started to realize very slowly that the deer were wrong. Either there were too many eyes reflecting in their headlights or the joints on their legs faced the wrong way or that they would make strange noises or it appeared that they'd have more limbs than they were supposed to. And people started to be like, Maybe these are hurt deer. Maybe they got hit by a car or they have a, a disease because um, they have a disease there called chronic wasting disease, which is like mad cow. It's a prion disease and it causes them to get very ill and go a little bit crazy. But no, the, the deer seemed okay. They just seemed wrong. And it would cause a visceral feeling in people that they would just run away when they saw these things or have to drive away because they knew on a very deep, like bone deep level that something was wrong with this deer in front of them. So there are a lot of reports now on different social media sites of people driving around and just stopping and there's a deer in the middle of the road and the deer is wrong. I love this because this is such, this is the way that a cryptid is kind of created. Right. And I think it's a really interesting way to kind of, tr of tracking things because it could just be a, a deer that, you know, had something unfortunate happen to it. 
But what if it's not? I love that kind of possibility about that kind of stuff. And also, when you get to places that are that deep with forest or any kind of like atmosphere, who the hell knows what kind of creatures are out there? You know, I would 100% believe that there's not deer. There's an incredible novel called The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher, which I highly recommend you read. It is horrifying. And it also has not deer in it. And there are deer that, you know, they, they move the wrong way. Their legs bend the wrong way. And just the idea of it is viscerally horrifying, you know, because you're so used to seeing things one way. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the artwork of Trevor Henderson, um, who on Twitter is known as Slimy Swamp Ghost, where he does Siren Head and the the Bone Horse. And it's that the idea of looking out into like the darkness of a forest and expecting to see, you know, two shining eyes of a deer there. But instead of two eyes, it's like seven reflecting back at you. It is one of the best things that I've read about in a long time, and I love the idea of it. I like this, please. I mean, deer are such a, a weird creature to begin with. We have so many of them around that I, I'm surprised there are not more cryptids based on them, to be honest, because where's a place that doesn't have deer, you know? They don't make good sounds. They don't behave well. They don't look good. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're assholes. Yeah, there should be more anti-deer cryptidism. Yeah. I mean, I think deer are cool. Like, I, you know, if you see a deer on the side of the road, you're like, oh, cool, a deer. But I don't want to necessarily, like, interact with one. I especially don't want to interact with one when I'm, like, driving my car. Um, but I can totally see how on a dark night, on a dark stretch of road, you see a deer and you notice that something's a little bit off with it. I would drive the hell away, too. <laughs> there, there are simply not enough creatures in this world that um, that have both the size and the elusiveness to pop out of nowhere and murder you in your car. There's almost nothing else. Like, they truly have a power over modern humanity that, that very few things do. It's just that kind of animal. Like, I, I have friends of mine in Canada, and they're like, moose will fuck you up. Right. And they, these animals just seem like like magnets for cars, you know? Um, and you always see them on the side of the road, you know, in a crumpled, you know, dead state, and you always feel bad about it. But you, you never really think about the ones that walk away, <laughs> you know? And that's where I think this this legend kind of comes from. But I, I want someone to make a really good horror novel or like a horror movie about this. I want to watch people get fucked up by a fucked up deer. I think someone should get on that right away. Oh, deer revenge. I like that. That's wonderful. I know. I think that would be cool to watch. I I don't know. I'm bad with horror movies. I'm a bit of a scaredy cat when it comes to horror movies. I love horror novels. They don't scare me. But put it on a screen and I'm like hiding behind a pillow making tiny little noises. This is one of those things about you I just can't process. But <laughs> I, I, I accept that this is your truth. I can watch old horror movies so they don't scare me. I'll watch like Alfred Hitchcock movies and they're fine. But like I can't watch modern day horror movies. I'll watch the trailer and get so scared I can't watch the actual film. And I just have to look at like what happened on Wikipedia. So when people are talking about it on Twitter, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that scene that I totally read about and didn't watch. You did this to me when I brought up Midsummer to you and you were like, I can tell you what happened. And I was like, I, I, I hate this about what you've done to <laughs> this art form I love. But you do you. It's wonderful. I do. Prob I will watch that movie at some point. I've heard that it's not like terribly gruesome. Okay. Oh, no, that was not a good response. <laughs> Realize I'm not helping make my case here. Okay, I forget I said that in that tone. Yes, yes. Um, do you have a carrying in the, into the void to go with your not dear? I do. I have a carrying into the void moment, and that moment is, you are not what you seem. You change, you shift, 
you become. You may not be ready for others to perceive you, to know all the unknowable parts that you can't bear to lay bare. You keep to the darker corners of the forest, hidden by old growth off the beaten path. It does not matter if others see the real you, the true you. You know what you are, down to the marrow of your ancient bones. When you are ready, you will walk out into the light, majestic and beautiful, great and terrible, fearsome and glorious. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still trying to get my Jordan on. I'm, I'm trying to channel Jordan. Oh, I love it so much. Like, he'll be so proud. Oh. <laughs> um, so my, uh, my carrying into the void today is about, um, well, let's just get it out of the way, uh, Latin American chocolate witches. What? <laughs> you come on, come on, ride this train. Um, so uh, a number of years back, there's a, a Penn State history and gender professor named Martha Few, uh, and she's written a bunch of books about gender, religion, and medicine in colonial Latin America and South America. Um, and as she was going through these these documents, these testimonials, uh, these these sort of long texts uh, from uh, the period of, of the Inquisition. Uh, she kept noticing that um, amid the sections on witchcraft, uh, people kept mentioning chocolate. And she was like, what's up with that? What's up with that? Uh, and she looked into it and found out that um, there is a, a significant percentage of women that were convicted, sent to jail, tortured, or killed uh, for their uh, magical abuse of chocolate. Uh, and so this is sort of... <laughs> What it gets into is basically uh, chocolate uh, existed uh, in, in South America and Latin America thousands of years back. Like it's you can find it on Mayan ships like uh, it's 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 always been around. Uh, it's we've they've had it for 3000 years when the Europeans started coming over. They were offered it because I uh, it was it was a thing that like the leaders of 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 civilizations got and that like uh, normal people got at their wedding. Uh, it was it was this very highly prized thing uh, to have like hot cocoa. Um, and so uh, when diplomats from other countries would come to visit, uh, eventually like hot cocoa was sort of hot chocolate was the was the thing that they did. And so when Europeans started showing up, they were offered that. And so um, they started to perceive it right out of the gate as this thing that they were like, I don't uh, I don't know what this is, but also I. I don't trust it uh, because basically like it has uh, that little hit of like caffeine and it had these flavors and it had this process that they didn't really understand. So already they were in the realm of like, this feels like witchcraft. And to be fair, if you'd never had chocolate in your life and then you had chocolate for the first time, you'd definitely be like, witches, that's your first stop on that oh, train. Oh, 100%. Yeah, completely. So it was something that they both like were obsessed with, but it also gave them this incredible sense of, uh, of paranoia. So here's the thing, is that uh, everybody drank chocolate if, if they could. Everyone loved it. But the women were always the one that prepared it. Men never prepared it. And the thing that had gone back as far as the Mayans uh, was that uh, chocolate uh, was an aphrodisiac. Not just an aphrodisiac uh, to help uh, men, uh, but that like also it, it had a, a social aspect to it. Like you were going to be magical with women after this. Like and not just good in bed, but good at getting women into bed. Uh, and so like thousands of years into that belief that like chocolate is very sexual which yes chocolate is is in decades of romance movies absolutely get it like it is valentine's day this is sort of where we get the start of that belief in chocolate 
and then people started drinking it like every day. Uh, and this is where something started to, to work its way into the public consciousness, uh, not just with the Europeans, even though they got real into it, uh, but but even amongst uh, these populations that had had it for so long, uh, was this idea that women were using it to bewitch men, uh, that they were using it to to control men, um, and uh, and and that there was sort of this witchcraft based in like either there was a very s secret magical powder that women were adding to it that they were getting from other witches. Or that they were combining that powder with like pubic hair oh, or, no. or blood, and then that was you know being that was like a love potion or a mind control potion, and so women started getting locked up for this, and that was uh, a, a big part of the Inquisition was that dudes would suddenly be like, I think she's doing magic to me. She made me this hot chocolate, and uh, yeah, she's trying to to steal my soul with it and to control me, uh, and so these women would would go to jail uh, forever or be be burned at the stake because dudes got afraid of chocolate. Um, but also it was a way of the, the colonizers managing to, to, to keep down anything that they didn't really understand. And like, of course, there's also an extension of it that like it, chocolate is basically sin in edible form and, and anything that's pleasurable is obviously against God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then it, it, it just sort of started getting policed. Uh, and because of that, women started putting pubic hair and blood into hot chocolate um yeah they they were like okay well if we're being prosecuted persecuted for it uh i, I don't know maybe i'll look into seeing if there's something to this so people started getting like actually arrested for doing this there's documentation of, of someone who like her and her daughter both tried to do this to like a guy and their like slave turned them in uh so like hey, way to sell out everybody, but like that was a part of it. Here's sort of where it, it, it becomes mainstream. Uh, is it becomes that, uh, mainstream? <laughs> in the middle of the Inquisition, uh, this guy, uh, Juan de Fuentes, uh, who is a 33-year-old mixed-race construction worker, uh, came to the Inquisition, and he alleged that his wife, Cecilia, had, be, had quote, bewitched his masculinity away, end quote. Uh, not only was de Fuentes seemingly unable to maintain an erection, but he also found himself strangely compelled to make the morning hot chocolate for his wife. Surely, the colonial authority concluded, a man serving his wife breakfast in bed could only be the work of the devil. So, like, they, they became not only afraid that women were stealing their erections through hot chocolate, but also were turning them into women and they would lose their ability to control domestic labor. Wow. So there is there is a long history of, of violence and policing against latin american women uh because they were feared to be chocolate brewing witches and that fear led some to actually give it a shot uh and uh boy i it, what a what a fascinating part of history that could have stayed buried uh <laughs> i love when history points out just how much worse we were than we thought we were way to go colonizers uh you just throw that one on the inquisition pile that one isn't great <laughs> oh that's wild i've never heard of that before that's incredible so uh this is our our carrying into the void moment for this you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar and you catch more men with chocolate than with not chocolate you work in a laboratory of flavor and your keen connection to the soil encourages the raw rescues of your con conception to present themselves to you an offering to an offering. When you put in the work, you can bend your IAD receivers to your will. When you put in the time, their time bends to your discretion. When you put forth the reward, you claim the others as your prize. They are right to be fearful, but for all the wrong reasons. But they'll see. They'll see. Exploit their sweet tooth, and they'll be too distracted 
to notice your multitude of far sweeter teeth bounding forward. Wow, Brock. Holy <laughs> shit. Oh my god, that's incredible. I, w I wasn't sure how, how much fun uh, religious extermination was going to be, but the idea of men being terrified that chocolate was stealing their boners is just just too much to pass up. <laughs> it's just that just sounds like something you'd hear on like some terrible like ask reddit type of thing or like the relationship reddit you always see get reposted where it's like hey my boyfriend thinks this is happening um oh, you're you're right this is a wonderful historical am i the asshole oh it's just perfect for that <laughs> it's a hundred percent is that's wow i'm blown away well besides researching that absolutely fascinating nugget of history what else have you been doing this week Oh, in terms of, like, caring for myself? Yeah, because I don't know if that would count necessarily for caring for yourself. My self-care has been that uh, over the last few weeks, I joined a band, uh, which is not a thing that I've done in five or six years. Uh, and it has been incredible because I sit here with a couple of guitars and keyboards and I play every once in a while, but I haven't, like, learned a new song in four years. Like, I, I, I doodle and then I, I don't pick things up for way too long because always so goddamn busy and just never want to take the time and uh, a friend was starting up a new band he has a great band in my city that just won an award uh from from my publication actually for like best <laughs> song of the year for a song uh that's about like uh it's 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 an emo band made up of other guys in their 30s who are all married and so like uh all the lyrics and stuff are like emo songs with an emo sound not about like how a girl was mean to me so i'm gonna kill myself it's always like very grounded like mental health positive sort of stuff which i i was just like i never thought i'd get to hear this in in emo uh and so like the song that won them this award is is one about uh about the year 2020 and it's about how uh you you think that you're like at your lowest point and you are you're absolutely at your lowest point and that is a valid thing to think like it's not it isn't just depression and you aren't like crazy. You're right. This is as bad as it can get. Uh, and when I heard that song, I like talked to him. I was like, I, I would like to do a thing with you. And he was like, I have all these songs that I, I've been wanting to do a side project with. So we have had a couple of band practices because this guy owns one of my favorite mid-sized venues in town, which I did not know about. So we've had practices where the five of us sit like 30 feet away from each other in this giant space, which is also like, it's such a bummer because I'd always been, I, I was like, I'm going to record my next stand-up special there. Like, it's a great room. Uh, I've done shows there before. And I was like, I, to to have my first big music performance here uh, be on a Friday night be, be, because there's absolutely no one, no one coming in because the venue's shuttered was a, was a huge loss. But it also meant that we were a band playing 30 feet apart from each other at all times and using a PA. So it just sounded like we were on stage together. And I was like, this is... This is pretty okay. We also knocked out like seven brand new songs in about two hours. And like by the third time through each one, we were like, I think we're ready to record that. And I've never, I just kept looking at the, around the room at the other musicians and being like, am I the worst one here? What happened? How did this do what it is doing here and now uh, and feel so good? I like that. So um, I, the, the self-care sort of thing is to just, just pick up the instrument. Everybody, almost everyone's got an instrument or you yep. have something that is comparable be it be it drawing be it be it whatever and like i i know that this was supposed to be time for all of us to you know pursue our side passions and do whatever but uh i know i'm not uh touring with a band ever again in my life um but uh oh my god it, it felt good to just tune up a guitar and i'd also forgotten like entirely how to like just go do a practice or do a show over the last few years so i was like 
oh, I need to buy strings to bring and I need to put my guitar in like a carrying case. And like, do I have the cables I need for the 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 amp? And I was like, what is all this? Like I, I spent an hour being like, I know I own a direct box somewhere. I think that's going to be important. It was like, so by the time I was done, my Jeep was just full of equipment for like a keyboard and a guitar. And I was like, this might be too much, but I'm afraid I'll have forgotten something. And sure enough, didn't bring a guitar pick. Uh, so Outstanding <laughs> work. Just outstanding. I have guitar picks everywhere. Like I find them all places. How do you not have one just in your pocket? I mostly uh, strum the guitar uh, without a pick uh, oh. and uh, just absolutely shred my fingers uh, until they are they are open wounds whenever I play. Uh, it is always been my thing and I should unlearn it. Uh, but like uh, I've also spent just too much time uh, cleaning dried blood off of my instruments and I, I can't do that anymore. I'm, I'm too old to, to be opening wounds uh, to show how how much feeling I have for a thing. So yeah, the, all of this is about growing up. Anyway, what have you been doing for self-caring? I wish I was playing with a band. That's the best thing I've ever fucking heard. I'm so happy for you. I'm so low-key jealous. <laughs> no, I've been playing an ungodly amount of Hades on Switch, which first of all, the Switch was the best thing I ever bought. I got it in March where things were just starting to shut down. And I went to four different targets to get it because I knew that I would need it. So I bought it and I got Animal Crossing, which has been also a godsend. But Hades came around and oh my God, that is literally my game of the year for 2020. And also just maybe one of my top 10 games ever. It is incredible. The gameplay is so good. The artwork is so good. The voice acting is, I don't even have the words in my vocabulary to say how good the voice acting is. It is an achievement in gaming. And I've been playing way more than is healthy because I want to get to the end, technically, quote unquote, the end. But yeah, the Switch has just been great. I just got Dead Cells for it, which I'm excited to be angry at because I love playing like hard Soulsborne type of games. Like Bloodborne is my number one favorite game ever. And I just seem to like being like unhappy when I'm playing a video game. As long as it's like spooky and, and pretty, I kind of am like, oh yeah, this is going to be a bad time. It's going to be amazing. Um, so that's what I've been doing a lot of, just just a really like embarrassing amount of playing Hades. Viv got it uh, and also did the just Animal Crossing directly to Hades, nothing in between, and sinking thousands of hours into both. And she got started on it while I was out of town for like a week. Or uh, no, she she had a family emergency and had to go to back to San Francisco, so she got started on it. Um, and by the time she came back, I was just like, She's never played a roguelike before. She had no idea what was happening and why, why she kept dying. She's never played any sort of fighting game like that. She's never played a bullet hell shooter uh, oh, with God. all that dodging and blocking and stuff. And so I was like, I don't think that this is going to click with her. And literally nothing else has been played on her Switch uh, and absolutely nothing by me in the last four to five months. Uh, it is just everything. That it, when she came back from the trip and like plugged it into the TV and started playing, I thought she was possessed because she, like there was just a thousand bullets on the screen and she was dodging in and out of stuff and destroying all these things and using a bunch of different powers and attack combos and stuff. And I was like, I'm sorry, what happened? And it took her, it took her that little time to master a game type that she's never understood. And it's, she's actively playing it right now in the other yeah, room. It's, it's so intuitive. Like if you've never picked up a roguelike before, you'll catch it like no problem. But Nintendo had the audacity. They had the gall to send me an email like, here's how much you played in 2020. And I'm like, first of all, I do not no. need that forbidden knowledge. 
Second of all, how dare you, sir? Into my own house you bring this evil. And third of all, I know I played a lot of Hades. My Switch is literally, like, warm from it. <laughs> like, I have to have my plugged in all the time because I'm just playing so much Hades. And Nintendo thinks that that email is a revolutionary type of knowledge I don't already have. My absolute favorite thing for us to do is for her to be not even just in a boss fight, but sometimes in rooms. And uh, when the room is done, we will both make this sound like, huh? And I will realize that both of us did not breathe for the entirety of that room. Just like so goddamn stressed out and invested in it. And that's happening months into playing it with a lot of the same rooms. And I'm just like, I don't know how this thing gives me a panic attack every time when I'm not even playing. Just the pinnacle of gaming and also so goddamn horny. I don't know how they packed it all in one. It's it's an achievement. <laughs> it, it is really the thirstiest game I think I've ever seen. And usually I don't pick up on that. I'm usually just completely oblivious. And literally within 10 minutes of this game, I'm just like, oh, man, they're all hot. Like, what happened? That's not normal. What's going on? <laughs> so, I'm just so confused. Not only are they hot, they're really funny. And I always want to talk to them. That doesn't right? happen. I don't know how they tricked me. <laughs> I, it's it, like I literally am talking to myself as I play the game. Like one of the people come up and I'm like, oh, it's Aphrodite. Oh, that's great. Uh, oh, that's so funny. Like, it's just the dumbest thing. It, it's like. I'm not dating any of these people. I don't know why I feel the need to, like, respond to their conversations. I, it's that far into quarantine where it's like, oh, yes, I will form relationships with the pixels in my Switch. That's healthy. That's good. Great job, Megan. A+. Plus. <laughs> that, that is a hell of a parasocial relationship, and, and God <laughs> bless them for, for that. I, this is my favorite part of, of, of 2020 in games is that two of the biggest titles, uh, Hades and Among Us, are made by diverse, incredibly small indie indie groups. Yep. Like oh, and uh, and baseball. This is like three that are just like that's how I define my year. It's it's so good, and I feel good supporting a game studio that doesn't do crunch, that shares profits with their employees, who take you know responsibility, and who want to make sure that they're hiring diversely, and listening to their you know fans and stuff because. There are some games that I'm not going to name that definitely did not do those type of things and release some shoddy ass games. And I feel like, especially right now when we're at home, I can choose where to put my money and I'd much rather give it to a studio like the people behind Hades, where I know that it's not so much a good investment because I'm not investing in anything, but it feels good to be supportive of that kind of community instead of another kind of community. If that makes sense. You're also going to be thrilled then to know that Dead Cells was made by a team of, I think, a dozen. Uh, oh, and good. Everyone, everyone on that team uh, has equal ownership and is paid the same salary. That makes me they so are, happy. They are truly a collective game studio. So that's buck wild. When I'm swearing <laughs> at them in about an hour, I will be thinking of that fondly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my pop culture recommendation for this episode, uh, obviously, uh, the latest, latest season of uh, Letterkenny is out on Hulu. Uh, everybody enjoy the the good Canadian show that uh, punches toxic masculinity right in the dick. Always, always love to see it. Um, but my uh, my big one is 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 a weird little uh, indie that I stumbled onto. Uh, it's called Radius. It's a movie. You can find it on Amazon and uh, and on uh, IMDb TV. Uh, so you can watch this uh, for free, and it just puts some ads in and like three throughout the whole thing. So I was like, okay, this is fine. Um, it's, it's called Radius, and basically it's a guy that wakes up after a car accident and discovers that if he gets within 50 feet of anybody, they just drop dead. Uh, and then he comes to realize that, like, there's this woman uh, who might be his girlfriend, question mark, uh, and as long as she is within 50 feet of him, 
nobody dies. But if they are more than 50 feet apart, like if somebody were to arrest him and try to drag him somewhere or something like that, everybody dies again. Uh, that's within 50 feet. So it's a interesting little weird, dark mystery sort of thing. But I clearly made by, on no money uh, by, by a couple of people. But I was just like, I, yeah, I'm always a sucker for just like one little weird thing. And it, and it starts in minute one with like the first uh, dead body and being like, what's happening here? So it's darkly funny. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, Radius, uh, it's free on IMDb TV. Uh, yet another thing that's out there, I guess. So uh, enjoy that. It's it's a it's a fantastic B minus B plus. It's you set your expectations accordingly. It's a fun time. <laughs> it's like speed with people. Like speed with people. What do you got for us? <laughs> um, you'll actually be astonished by this because I actually want to talk about a television show I've been watching. That now you're just you're making fun of me. No, I, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> no, um, I don't usually watch a lot of television. Um, to Brock's <laughs> complete, he just utter. He's totally flummoxed by the idea of the fact that I haven't seen a television show for the past like six or seven years. Like anything anyone's talking about, I have no idea. Whenever you say it, it just hurts me a little bit. It, it really hurts. I don't get it. Um, but I, I, I am a total nerd, and I watch a lot of PBS when I do watch television. And there, I like Masterpiece Theater a lot. I think the pinnacle of knowing you're rich is when you can have Masterpiece Theater to be brought to people by you. You know, Masterpiece Theater today is brought to you by Megan Ball. That's I want to be that rich one day where I can have Masterpiece Theater brought by me. But anyway, um, there is a show on there which is based on an old 60s British television show based on a series of novels um, called All Creatures Great and Small. And it's just the most lovely country type of English. Like if you if you like the parts in the Great British Bacon show when they show like the sheep in a field, this is the show for you. It is about a country vet. And he goes around in, like, the most beautiful part of the Carswalds, and he just helps animals and helps people who love animals. And, like, you know, his friends are weird, and he dates someone, and it's just absolutely lovely. It's such a beautiful type of show. The filming's great. It's really well updated. And I'm glad they're releasing it week by week, or else I would have spent an entire probably 12 hours straight watching it without moving an inch from my couch. So um, if you have... Any interest in Masterpiece Theater, which you should because it's awesome, I would definitely suggest watching All Creatures Great and Small. You're only like two episodes in, so you can catch up. See, look, I talked about a TV show. Aren't you proud? I, I think I'm more confused. I, I, you, close this out because I need to go lay down, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And remember, keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. And we will see you next time in the void. Bye, everybody. Bye.